It's from the book of Hebrews 10, 19 through 25. Hebrews 10, 19 through 25. Since therefore, brethren, we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he inaugurated for us through the veil, that is, his flesh. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds. Not forsaking our own assembling together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. I see fantastic distance. Up close is a whole nother can of worms. So. Some of you know what I'm talking about with this whole aging process and uh, proven to be a real trial for my optometrist. Thankfully, he has a lot of patience. And I think we're making some progress, so that's good. Uh, but if you see me going back and forth and standing, you know, five or ten feet back from my laptop, you'll understand what I'm doing here. So I thought I'd get that out of the way. And happy Father's Day, everybody. Or all you, all you dads, anyway. You know, I was thinking about that. It's like, hey, Mother's Day, we have roses, right? Well, what do we do for Father's Day? I was thinking maybe we should have bacon back there with donuts. What do you think? Bacon with donuts or something? So funny, I was thinking about that earlier. Then, you know what Joel asked me this morning? Want me to go to the store and get some bacon? <laughs> it's like, do we have a reputation or something like that? But it's like, okay, maybe that's not a good idea. Maybe we need to not do that. So, uh, so my topic originally for today... Uh, since, you know, today is Father's Day, and I'm just trying to figure out what, oh, helps if I turn this on first. Make sure I know which way I'm going. There we go. Since today is Father's Day, and Derek was asking me, hey, what's your topic going to be? And looked at the calendar, and it's like, hey, Father's Day. Well, that's a layup. Let's talk about our Heavenly Father. What could be better than that, amen? Uh, however, I realized that I had just talked back in March when we were having a discussion talking about our enemy, i.e. Satan, and I was contrasting you know, the character qualities of Satan versus our Heavenly Father. And so I realized, well, I guess I already kind of covered that, so maybe that's not such a good plan. So maybe I need a, a plan B, so okay, well maybe we pick a character out of the Bible, we all love Bible stories, and maybe I pick a well-known father out of the Bible that we can study and do a character study of, it's like, well, boy, then which, which father would I talk about? Because there's a lot of people in the Bible who are dads. And I remember back when uh, we lived in Davis and Joel and I used to help out with the youth ministry and children's church back then at the church we were attending there. And I'll never forget uh, Father Abraham and doing the Father Abraham song and marching around with all these kids. And I'm trying to remember, how did that go again? You know, Father Abraham had many sons, many sons had Father Abraham. We are one of them. On down the line. I was thinking later on, it's like, I don't know how doctrinally correct that is, actually. <laughs> he didn't have that many sons. He ended up with a zillion grandsons, of course, and he was the father of nations. Uh, but, you know, hey, through Hagar, he had one. Through 
Sarah, he had one, and then he had some later on through his concubine. Uh, but in any event, I thought, well, we could talk today about Father Abraham, and if we did that, you know, when we take a look at the life of different people in the Bible, uh, we can learn a lot by studying the Scripture and, you know, learning things to do and learning things not to do. And uh, again, we can learn from the character of others and uh, hopefully then implement that in our own lives because that's the beautiful thing about Scripture is it is timeless and we can learn from it and apply it to our lives and then hopefully be a better uh, representatives for Christ in our walk here on earth. And I was looking about at Abraham, who was originally called Abram, before God changed his name and gave him the name Abraham. You know, he left his home country in obedience to God's word. Uh, uh, God commanded him, hey, so go leave here, and uh, I'm going to you know, take you into a new place. And he was 75 years old at that point in time. And, you know, no, no, no hesitation whatsoever. It's like, okay, I'm going. And off he went with his wife and with his nephew and what he had at that point in time. And so one thing that we learned about Father Abraham, if we were to talk about Father Abraham today, is that he was obedient. Uh, he was faithful to God's command. We also would know, if we were to talk about Abraham today, uh, is that he also worshipped God. You know, uh, God appeared to him and he immediately built an altar to God. He worshipped God by building an altar to him. Uh, we also find out, and this is where we can also learn some things not to do in our own life, we also found out that he was deceitful. You know, when he left to Egypt, he lied to the Egyptians by saying that his wife Sarah was his sister, which was kind of a half-truth because she was a half-sister as it turned out. Uh, but we know that he was being deceptive for the sake of his own protection. He felt that the Egyptians... Uh, do bad things to him and, and take his wife if he said that he was married. So instead he said that, oh, it's my sister. And so we found out he would repeat that same deceit later on, we find out, to the king of Gerar, Abimelech. So uh, that was kind of a recurring theme that he did there. Uh, as far as back to something else that uh, is positive from the life of Abraham is he believed the Lord when God told him that I'm going to make your descendants as numerous as the stars. And that's, you know, we, we know, we recognize that Abram, again, he was referred to as Abram back then. Abram believed the Lord and he credited it to him as righteousness. And we're all familiar with that passage. So he had faith, as should we. And the next, and I was just kind of scrolling through the book of Genesis here. Uh, when we take a look, you know, then we get into the whole Sarah and Hagar issue, and so, you know, God told Abraham that, hey, I'm going to make your descendants as numerous as the stars. Well, they get uh, a little impatient, I guess, and Sarah says, here, take my maidservant, Hagar, and have children uh, through her, which evidently was not an uncommon practice back in the day if a woman was uh, barren. She would give her uh, servant to the husband to generate children for her. Uh, so, in a way, we found out, you know, just kind of through that whole thing, and that's a little bit tough, you know, what God told Abraham was a son coming from your own body will be your heir. It's like, well, he didn't say Sarah or something like that, and I suppose we could make arguments one way or the other uh, about whether they did the right thing there or not. Uh, but in a way, you know, really, one would think that, well, that's what God intended, was that through your wife, you're going to be, that he'd be fulfilling all of these promises. So, 
in a sense, they were not really trusting God with the promise that God had given them. So he had a breakdown in his faith at that point in time. And on and on and on. So if we were to talk about Abraham, those are some of the things we're going to talk about. But that's not what we're going to talk about today. That, that was plan A. That, that was Glenn's plan until uh, about a week ago. I had a change in plan. And uh, I've not altogether been looking forward to today's sermon. <laughs> Get to share with you not one of my proudest moments. Uh, but a week ago, something happened. And uh, so God put it on my heart that I need to talk about this and talk about this topic. So uh, I found as I was driving to church today, I was going slower and slower and slower the closer I got to church. I was like, I guess I can't exactly turn around and head back the other direction. Uh, so instead, what we're going to talk about today is hypocrisy and discipline. And it's probably just as well that I did not know that that was going to be the topic a few weeks ago when Derek asked me, because if we put that bullet in the bulletin, I'd probably be speaking to an empty room today. Uh, you know, that's not our favorite things to talk about, right? Hypocrisy and discipline. And uh, the topic's also going to be running on empty a little bit. And yes, that was a Jackson Brown song, as Merlin reminded me, and that was from 1977. I was in high school back during that song. Uh, but we're going to talk a little bit more about that in uh, just a moment here. But obviously not as uplifting as a topic as just rejoicing in our Father, but uh, this is what God put on my heart that I need to share today, and that's what I'm going to do. Uh, when we look at hypocrisy, you know, it's nice just to go back and kind of look at the definition of something, I think, just to drill down a little deeper. You know, hypocrisy, the practice of claiming to have moral standards or beliefs to which one's own behavior does not conform. Uh, can everybody say, ouch, with me? You know, that's something that we don't want to be known for, uh, not conforming to the standards to which we claim to abide by. And, uh, you know, it's hard not to think about Jesus when he was uh, calling out the Pharisees back during the time when Christ walked the earth and he was telling them, hey, you whitewashed tombs. And he was just really lambasting them over their hard hearts. And, uh, you know, really just calling them out as hypocrites. In fact, there's a section through the Bible, you go there in the beginning of, you know, every four lines or five lines is, you hypocrites. <laughs> it's like, yeah, that's not something we want to be known for, hypocrisy. Uh, but unfortunately, that's what I'm going to talk to you a little bit about today. Uh, next up. Did I turn this thing off? I'm going the wrong way. Looks like it's working. Um, um. Maybe the batteries just died. All right, I'm going to need an assist from the back, guys. Let's go one more slide. We're stuck. At least it's not just me. I'm assuming what I'm looking at back here is the same thing as what you're looking at here right now. It looks like we're on the slide on hypocrisy, and we're going to try to get to the slide on discipline. There we go. Whoop, whoop, whoop. Oof, we're unstuck. Good. Uh, discipline. Isn't technology great? It's wonderful when it works. Terrible when it doesn't work. And this is not much of an audiovisual extravaganza today, so uh, not too many of these. But when we take a look at discipline, there's really two different 
types of discipline, if you will, or two different definitions. One being the practice of training people to obey rules or a code of behavior uh, using punishment to correct disobedience. And next up, we have orderly or prescribed conduct or pattern of behavior. And uh, it's interesting, as I kind of was thinking about these two things, you never hear both uses in the same sentence, but, but you will today. Uh, I was thinking of, you know, hey, we're, if we were to apply this, like, due to, just kind of a hypothetical sentence here, you know, due to Johnny's lack of discipline in doing his chores, his parents had to discipline him. How about that? You can use both types of discipline in the same sentence, and when you kind of look at these two different uh, uses of the word discipline, we know that a lack of discipline can result in the need for discipline. Uh, kind of interesting anyway, that was a little aha moment for me. Uh, that was just this morning actually. But in any event, I don't know about you, but I prefer to learn from other people's mistakes, much more so than learning from my own mistakes. And it's like you hear how people, you know, messed up one way or the other. It's like, okay, you know, note to self, I need to not do that uh, and try to avoid things because, you know, let's, let's face it, discipline can be painful. And today you get to learn from my mistake of one week ago. But before we dive into that, uh, I'm going to keep you in suspense just a little longer. Uh, what does God's Word say about discipline, and here we're going to be taking a look at Proverbs, and uh, because Proverbs speak a lot about discipline, and you know, right out of the gate, Proverbs 1, verse 1, chapter 1, verse 1, the Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, for attaining wisdom and discipline. This is his purpose in writing the book of Proverbs, one of many purposes he speaks about his purposes in verses 1 through 7, really. Uh, so again, the Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, for attaining wisdom and discipline, for understanding words of insight, for acquiring a disciplined and prudent life, doing what is right and just and fair. And again, he continues on, but that is really his purpose for writing the Proverbs, and we know that Solomon was viewed as, you know, perhaps the wisest man to ever walk the planet. And he was uh, recognized. In fact, it was interesting when God asked him, you know, hey, what do you want when he succeeded his father David as king? And God said, hey, what would you like? You know, what did Solomon pray for? Solomon prayed for wisdom. You know, he didn't ask for riches or anything else. And God said, hey, because you asked for uh, wisdom, I'm going to give you all this other stuff also. And he just honored him for praying for wisdom. And not only did he honor him with tremendous wisdom, but uh, great riches and everything else, which unfortunately uh, led Solomon down the wrong path. But that's another story for another day. Uh, next up, Proverbs 1.7. What else do we know about discipline? Uh, this is a well-known verse. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. And so we're going to see in the next few verses here uh, how we're to view discipline in our life. Well, it's something that inherently we don't like and we really don't want to experience. Uh, we're going to see what God's Word says about it and how we should actually be applying it in our life. And Proverbs 3.11, 
My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline and do not resent his rebuke because the Lord disciplines those he loves. And so that's something to remember is when we do experience the Lord's discipline and we all at some point in time will experience the Lord's discipline, uh, it's encouraging to know that he loves us. And just as a father disciplines his child, it's out of love that that is done. That should be the motivation behind it is our love for our child in the same way our father loves us and disciplines us as well for our own good. And then uh, Proverbs 12.1, whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but he who hates correction is stupid. This is, by the way, this is not the Glenn translation of the Bible. This is the NIV translation. I didn't put that in myself. Uh, in case you're wondering, I know some people, you hear that, oh, some people, they say, oh, the Bible's real confusing and lacking clarity and all that stuff. I don't know, that's pretty black and white. <laughs> that's pretty black and white. Whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but he who hates correction is stupid. <laughs> that's kind of uh, about as straightforward as you, we can get. And so I think the, what we learn from all of these verses from Proverbs is we need to embrace discipline. While it may not be pleasant, we need to embrace discipline. And, you know, I think this runs contrary to our nature. It runs contrary to our human nature. Uh, so what happened a week ago? A week ago, we were sorry to have to miss family camp uh, this year. We had kind of a confluence of factors that kept us from attending. But we were looking forward to attending last Sunday morning and going up for church and joining all of you guys. And maybe I was a little too anxious to join all of you guys uh, coming up there. We're driving up uh, 44, heading up there on just a beautiful, beautiful Sunday morning, as you all saw and experienced as well. And uh, a little bit before Shingletown, uh, get behind a vehicle that uh, does something that leads me to think they don't want me going the speed limit. And uh, I thought, huh, without going into all the specifics, I thought that that's odd, what's up with that? And that kind of, you know, ticked me off just a little bit, quite frankly. Uh, it's like, what's going on here? And so, you know, we're going more slowly than uh, I had been hoping to go. And so I thought, okay, whatever. Then we're going through Shingletown, and you know, we have pretty vivid imaginations and still following this car. And uh, I got to thinking, you know what? I'll bet this guy's texting. I think this guy in front of me is probably texting me, and I don't know about you, but uh, I don't have a, a you know, it can kind of draw your ire a little bit if something's texting. Somebody's texting while they're driving because guess what? A lot of innocent lives have been, you know, lost through somebody texting. And I thought, doggone it, this guy must be texting. And so I decided I would follow a little more closely and let them know, you know, I, I know what they're doing sort of thing. Mind you, I was not riding right on his bumper, but I was most definitely following a little more closely than is polite. And so here I am, you know, what a piece of work I am. I'm driving to church and I'm tailgating a guy going to church. You know? Unbelievable. <laughs> I'm like, duh. <laughs> anyway, we get to the passing lane after Shingletown. I get to go past the guy. And it's like, whew, hallelujah. We're past them, out of sight, out of mind. Everything's rosy again. Uh, come up to Long Hay Flat Road and take our right turn on Long Hay Flat Road and the drive only gets more beautiful, loving the the scenery and all that, and notice in my rear view mirror that the other car that I'd just gone past also turned on the long hay flat road. <laughs> Imagine my surprise. 
Imagine my horror. <laughs> Suddenly my eyes were opened up. It's like, huh, maybe there's some other things here. Maybe this other driver didn't have evil intent and a few other possibilities crossed my mind. Maybe this person's a little more elderly than I am and likes to just drive a little more slowly. That's one possibility. Maybe this person had a passenger with them and they were engaged in a good discussion. Maybe they were just enjoying a beautiful Sunday morning, wanting to drive a little more slower, slowly and enjoying it. Uh, my eyes were opened to all of these possibilities. If you were that person in that car, by the way, I apologize, I am sorry. Sorry I was tailgating you on the way to church. I was rather impolite. And that car did indeed go to church. It did show up at Mount Meadows, by the way. I never did see the driver was, but yep, one of our church family. Uh, yeah, my eyes were opened. My sin was revealed. And I felt like I got popped right in the face by God. You idiot. You know, My heart was not in alignment with God. I was uh, not in the right place even though I'm driving on my way to church. You know, whatever happened to Ephesians 4.2, be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Well, I bombed on that one. Um, not humble, not gentle, not patient, not bearing with one another in love. Strike, 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 strike. Uh, whatever happened to 2 Timothy 1.7, for God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power, of love, and of self-discipline. Where's the love in tailgating somebody when you're driving to church? Where's the self-discipline? Strike out again. How about Mark 12.30-31? through 31? We all know this. It's only the greatest commandments I broke. Uh, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There's no commandment greater than these. Was I loving my neighbor following too closely, driving to church or any other time of day? No, I was not. Broke the greatest commandments too for good measure. Let's pretend for a moment that the other driver was not a brother or sister in Christ. Let's pretend for a moment that they did have evil intent. They said, oh, I'm going to slow this guy down. You know, I was only going the speed limit. I wasn't even speeding. Uh, but let's say they did intentionally want to do something like that. Whatever happened to 1 Thessalonians 5.15, make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong. Two wrongs don't make a right. But always try to be kind to each other and to everyone else. Each other, this is a letter written to the church at Thessalonia, so each other is to your fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, and everyone else is everybody else that's not a part of the church. Bombed on that one as well. Again, I felt like God just kind of punched me in the face with a wake-up call, and I recognized my own hypocrisy. I was not walking the Christian life. I couldn't, think of, I couldn't help but to think of Christ's condemnation for the Pharisees when he told them, in reference to themselves, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. That's not a fun verse to have come to mind when you're thinking about yourself and your own actions in life. 
Uh, I let down, you know, obviously my heart was just far from God last Sunday morning. I not only let God down, I let down my wife, who was also horrified. I uh, let down my children. What sort of a fatherly example do I, do I lead for my children? Sorry, kids. What sort of fatherly example did I provide for my children at that moment? What sort of a witness was I for my aunt, who was also with us? Uh, you know, how many people in life have decided that they're not following the Christian faith because they've seen Christ people that are professed Christians who have led a little bit of a life of hypocrisy and are not obedient to God's command and have actually had the impact of turning people away from God. We don't want to be those people. I don't want to be that person. Uh, I've told people, uh, you know, I tell people, it's like, don't put your hopes in me. Don't put your hopes in anybody, put your hopes in God. You know, if you just put your hopes in man, you'll be disappointed. You know, we see that in scripture when uh, you go through, and look at the book of the Judges uh, and how the Israelites, you know, hey, if they had a God, or the book, you know, the Kings, first and second Kings and on down the line, uh, when the Israelites had a godly king, all the Israelites, they weren't following God, they were following the king. And guess what? Everything was fine and dandy with Israel during that time. And then as soon as the king was gone, boom, the Israelites went downhill again and they got an ungodly king and the rest of the nation followed down the path of destruction. So we need to not be following a person. We need to be following God who is holy and righteous. And so unlike us. Uh, so I was running on empty. Back, that's, uh, that's where the title came from for this week's <laughs> sermon. <laughs> Actually, Derek texted me uh, late one night for, you got a title? I said, hmm, that's a good idea. I should have a title. And I thought of Courtney's artwork. Did it every, well, if you haven't looked at Courtney's artwork yet, uh, this is good. This is like the fuel gauge. This is our spiritual, <laughs> this is our spiritual gas tank, guys. I love this, what she did for us here. You know, here's Sunday. We get charged at church. <laughs> See, so I was running about as empty as you can get, I guess, because it was Sunday morning right before church. So that's, right? No, no excuses, guys. Uh, you get charged up. You got a full spiritual tank. Then as the week goes by, that tank gets more and more empty the further down the week you go. And yet, amazingly, Despite the fact that I've been faithfully in God's word every night for many, many years and somewhat faithful in prayer, I slipped and my tank was empty. And I realized that I must start my day in communion with God through the reading of his word and in prayer with him. Just as a ship needs a rudder, I need to be in close contact with God right out of the gates to start my day. I remember, you know, if, yeah, if we're to lead the Christian life and be a witness to others, we have got to get our bearing right out of the gate in the morning. Or you, next thing you know, you're going to be doing what I was doing. Uh, I remember at a men's retreat once somebody saying that they've kind of adopted the approach of Bible before breakfast. And I was reminded of that as I was uh, considering my actions. And so every morning this past week, I've been enjoying spending time in God's Word, usually as I'm eating breakfast, enjoying time in God's Word and in prayer with Him, and it's a wonderful thing. 
It's just been a huge blessing this week. And uh, it was kind of funny. I was driving to work one morning, going 44, going the other direction on 44, back into Reading. And, you know, we've got the construction zone, then you come out of the construction zone, and you're back to 65, and it widens up to two lanes and all that, and people kind of start anticipating that and stuff. And guess what? I held up traffic. <laughs> this time it was my turn to hold up traffic. I looked in the mirror and said, oh, I got a bunch of cars popping in. The guy goes zooming right by me. It's like, oh, <laughs> who's holding up traffic now? The peace of God's a wonderful thing, you know? Anyway, I got a chuckle out of that. God's got a sense of humor, huh? <laughs> I looked at that, that... Anyway, that cracked me up. Let's look at the book of Hebrews. We started today with Hebrews. We're going to end with Hebrews. Why don't you open up your Bibles, if you will, to Hebrews chapter 12. I've cheated and I have it on my laptop here. Going to go to Hebrews chapter 12, verses 4 through 11. In your struggle against sin, you have not resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And you have forgotten that word of encouragement that addresses you as sons. My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline, and do not lose heart when he rebukes you, because the Lord disciplines those he loves, and he punishes everyone he accepts as a son. And that's a reference back to the Proverbs verse that we read earlier. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as sons. For what son is not disciplined by his father? If you are not disciplined, and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are illegitimate children and not true sons. Moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the father of our spirits and live? Our fathers disciplined us for a little while as they thought best. But God disciplines us for our good, that we may share in his holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Let's pray. Lord, I just uh, <laughs> I thank you for uh, calling me to task. I thank you for uh, opening my eyes to my own hypocrisy. And that I've sinned against you, Father, and I've sinned against man. And Lord, I just uh, thank you for, for discipline. don't know that I ever thought that I'd say that, Lord, but I thank you for discipline. For, Lord, we do need your discipline in our life. For, Lord, we do need your rebuke from time to time if we're to follow you as you command us to follow you and be holy as you are holy in accordance with your word. So, Lord, I just thank you for my brothers and sisters who are here today. I just pray for uh, each and every one of us that we would all have a heart that would embrace discipline when the need arises. I pray that you would use discipline in our lives, that you would rebuke us, that you would open our eyes to see the error in our ways.
For without that, Lord, change won't happen. We thank you that you have filled us with your spirit and you enable us to see your truth and to see your law at work in our lives. And Lord, we give you all the praise and glory for that, Lord. We just thank you that you are our Father in heaven. And as Derek mentioned earlier, uh, you know, we have all have earthly fathers here as well. We just thank you for them. We know that some have walked closer to you than others, Lord. But we just take great comfort knowing that we have you who are perfect and loving and that your arms are open for us, Lord. That when we accept you in our lives and what you've done through your son, Jesus Christ, we become children of yours. Lord, we recognize it's only on account of what you've done through your cross and through your son, having paid the penalty for our sin, that we have life, that we have eternal life in heaven with you. And Lord, we look forward to that day. We're so grateful that we need not fear death, that you have conquered death. But Lord, we just uh, praise your name this day, give you thanks in all things. In Jesus' name, amen.